If you enjoy this show, you will enjoy the new novel Alice Isn't Dead, a standalone, complete reimagining of this story. It's out now. Find it wherever you encounter books or at aliceisntdead.com. It's almost ready, Tamara said. The article in the LA Times. The one that's going to lay this all out. Tell the whole story to the world. But I need a bit more time, she said. I need to make sure every part of it is verified. I understand, I said. I did. I had waited this long. What was another day, or week, or year? What was a lifetime? We'll lay low, I said. We'll wait. For three nights, we got off the grid. Afterward, things were different between us. I'm still not sure what happened at that motel. Can't piece together any part of it. I don't know Keisha's half, and I definitely don't understand what I saw. But we were different after the motel. I don't think the rest of this road trip would have happened as it did without those three nights. Joseph Fink, performed by Jessica Nicole and Erica Livingston, produced by Disparition. Part 3, Chapter 4, Three Nights at the Old Motel. Every minute we were visible to the public was a liability. Each passerby a possible member of Bay and Creek. And who knew what forms Thistle could take that we hadn't discovered yet? So we found the Triumph Tiki Inn on a highway that had been emptied by a nearby interstate bypass. The motel reminded me of one I had seen in a town called Charlatan, but I shook that off. This was not Charlatan. It looked like no human had set foot on the motel grounds in at least two decades. And so we pulled the truck into the lot out back, unpacked the supplies we had stocked up with, and prepared to wait a while. That night, I saw a light in one of the rooms. It didn't seem possible. I doubted anyone had paid an electric bill since the turn of the millennium. I even doubted whether the power lines along this stretch were serviced anymore. But there it was. Hmm, Maybe a local generator? A squatter? I wasn't scared. Squatters mostly mean no harm. And after all, we too were squatters. A little later, I saw a person up on the balcony outside the room. I figured they had seen me, so I shouted hey to them, and he shouted hey back and waved me up. I went. He was a middle-aged man with a few days of stubble, but his clothes were clean and well taken care of. 
Cigarette? He said. Nah, I said. He shrugged and lit himself one. I'm Howard, he said. Keisha, I said. What brings you here, Howard? <sighs> what brings anyone to a place like this, he said. Circumstances in my life are what they are. This place isn't bad, truth be told. But I wish the service was a little better. The service? What was he talking about? Feels like housekeeping hasn't come by in days, he said. I could use a fresh towel, I'll tell you that. I looked about me at the sagging building, missing most of its window panes and several of its doors. Keisha went for a walk, but I stayed by the truck. Didn't like this place. It was creepy. I had seen what waited in abandoned places, and I had no interest in exploring them more than I needed to. But I also wanted to keep us safe. While Keisha was gone, I saw movement near the front desk. I couldn't quite see the details, probably a possum or something. I thought for a moment it was a person spinning in place, but it was hard to say what I saw. I picked my way carefully through the broken front window and into the lobby. It looked like someone had tossed all the furniture a few times in the air. Time truly wrecks all. There was no one in the lobby, of course, and no movement. My eyes had tricked me. Or that's what I was thinking when I heard the music. It's my wife and I, Howard said, shaking his head. The usual difficulties, but it seemed best I move in here for a while. Just to cool things off, you know? I miss the kids, though. Like a wound. It's physical. I'm sorry to hear. Oh, no need to be sorry, he said. Just a thing that happens, you know? <sighs> it's nice to have some neighbors. This place is so quiet, usually. I don't know how they stay in business, but that'll change real soon. My wife's gonna bring the kids, and I'm gonna take them down to the pool. I haven't been able to take them to a pool in years. I apologize if the kids playing there ends up loud. You know how kids are, but I hope you'll think about how happy it makes me and feel some forgiveness. I looked at the pool area. The pool was empty and badly cracked up. There was a single lounge chair that the wind had tangled with the chain-link fence. Uh, don't worry about it, I said. Have a good night, I said. You too, he said. Don't be a stranger. He tossed the cigarette, went back into the room. The light shut off, and it looked all the world like an abandoned motel again but I could still smell his smoke. Strings. Classical music. Sounded like a ballet, maybe. It was coming from the pool. The music glitched and warped and occasionally looped back on itself, repeating the last several seconds and then jittering ahead. I didn't like that music. I decided to return to the truck. When Keisha came back, I wanted so badly to put my arm around her. 
but I didn't. She was right. She didn't need me to protect her. During the next day, we didn't do much. I read, Alice sat in one of our folding lawn chairs and watched the broken window of the lobby. Seemed weird, but I didn't ask. Honestly, we weren't talking much just then. That night, the light in Howard's room was on again, and I could see the firefly of a cigarette flitting around in front of his face, although it was dark enough that I couldn't see him. I climbed up the stairs to the second floor walkway. He nodded as I approached, but didn't say anything, just glared out at the empty parking lot. Everything okay there, Howard? I asked. He sighed, threw the cigarette down, and ground it out with his foot. <sighs> she was supposed to bring the kids and she didn't, you know? <sighs> I'm in a bad place, Keisha. I'll tell you the truth. Well, I said. Well, I, I'm sure she'll bring them eventually. I don't know, he said. See, she was the one that screwed up first. That's the thing about all this. I was in the right, you know? But I savored it too much. Righteousness is a powerful drug. There can be something dangerously addictive about being the justifiably angry one in an argument, you know? Yeah, I said. Maybe. I heard the music again, and this time I went to see. That was always my job, to turn toward the terror and choose to witness it. Because if we don't look at what is bad about our world, how will we ever fix it? The music swooned and jumped, the string sliding nauseatingly up and down. I approached the chain link of the pool area. From there, the empty pool was maybe 20 feet away. I saw that movement again, a person spinning in place. It was a woman in an old dress, torn at the bottom, streaked in mud. She had her hands over her head in a vague approximation of a ballet pose. Her arms were very long. Her fingers were crooked, broken maybe. She stopped spinning and took a leap, legs splayed out, landing on her knees and stumbling back up. I shut her out, Howard said. Thought that would punish her, but just made matters worse. That was me fucking up. Now we had both fucked up and then what? There was no winning, no upside. We had both lost and now I wait here for her to bring the kids and she never brings them. Well, you should go home and try talking to her, I said, or at least talk to the kids. I should do that. You're right about that, Keisha. I should do that. Hey, maybe I will. He started toward the door with vigor, but slumped against it when he reached it. It's no use, he said. She isn't going to forgive me, and I'm not going to forgive her. Feels like we're stuck like this. No way out for either of us. He sighed his breath ragged with the tears he was holding back. Good night, he said. I wish I could have been better company. 
He went inside. The light instantly shut off. I took a quiet step back. My sleeve was caught on the chain link and the fence rattled as it pulled away. The woman stopped and the music stopped in the same moment. She looked directly at me and I saw her face. Oh God, her face. People say that bad experiences are like nightmares. This wasn't a nightmare. What I remember most about it was how real it was. Even as it happened, I noticed that most. She dropped to all fours, her arms exactly as long as her legs, and she ran toward me right up the side of the empty pool. I turned and fled, didn't stop until I got to the truck. When I looked, there was no one behind me. I heard the music again, back at the pool. I tried to talk to Keisha about it. I think we should leave, I said. Hole up somewhere else. Uh, I like it here, she said. Let's stay a little while. Just a night or two more. I didn't want to start an argument. I made sure our cab was locked before we went to sleep. Once, I was in a budget hotel. Doesn't matter which one, they're all the same. The same institutional carpet. The same rubbery boiled eggs at breakfast. The same Wi-Fi able to download three entire emails per minute. I needed a shower and a decent nap, and so I splurged on a stay. As I walked along my floor, I passed a room that's door had been left open. I looked in, and it was the same layout and furniture as all the rooms. Every room in the hotel was identical. But this room was full of televisions. All over the bed, and the floor, and piled up on the table. On the ledge of the window. Hundreds of TVs. I kept walking. It didn't mean anything. Yet I think about that room regularly. The room full of TVs. These moments stick with us. I was waiting for Howard when he came out that night. Hey, he said quietly. He lit his cigarette and stood like an admonished little boy. I'm sorry about last night. I got upset and I shouldn't have. Man, it's fine, I said. How you feeling? Oh, I feel all right. He leaned against the railing. I just have to be more patient, you know? She'll bring the kids soon enough, and then I'll take them down to the pool, and it's gonna be such a fun day. Maybe you and your wife can join. We're moving on tomorrow, first thing, I said. Too bad, but I understand. Not a lot of life left in this place. I'm sure folks like you have better things to do than wait around in this backwater. Unlike me, he laughed. I got no better things to do at all. When I heard the music that night, I walked to the fence around the pool knowing what I would see. And there was the woman again in the same muddy, torn dress, spinning and flailing around as that music dipped and wavered horribly. 
this time the sound I made wasn't accidental. This time I took a deep breath, let it out slowly, and then said at a normal conversational volume, hi. Well, it was nice having you as a neighbor, Howard. Shit, it was wonderful having the company. You be safe on those roads, okay? I don't have to tell you how dangerous they can be. There was one name that came up again and again in weird pockets of the highways like this. Howard, does the name Praxis mean anything to you? He laughed again. <laughs> Maybe, he said. But it's not the kind of thing that can be talked about. It's more of a thing you do, you know? He looked at me closely. Maybe you don't know. Well, I'm sure you will soon. You'll be okay, Howard? I'm gonna be fine. Just fine. My kids are coming soon. I can't wait. You have a nice night. He went to his door. Hey, Howard, I said. Yes, Keisha? You say hi to your kids for me, okay? He smiled. I absolutely will. And he went back into the room. The light went out. I would never see him again. Once more she stopped and the music fell silent in the same instant. She looked at me and again her... Oh God, her face... She fell to all fours with her long, long arms and she galloped toward me, but I did not run. In the movies, people always run from ghosts and I always wondered, what could they actually do to you? Sure, they look terrifying, but what specifically was a ghost going to do to you if they caught you? I suspected nothing worse than what a human being could do to you. And I'd survived a lot of that. If you ask dangerous questions, you will get dangerous answers. But sometimes we need dangerous answers. So I stood my ground. She flew across the cracked pavement and reached the fence and then stopped again. She smelled like old paper. She unfolded herself slowly upwards and I realized how tall she was, several feet taller than me. Her face was exponentially worse this close up. We met eyes for a long silence, and I saw tears. She shook and shook, and she held out her hand, and I took it. Her hand felt like old paper. Thank you, she said. Thank you for staying, even if just for a moment. Her voice sounded like old paper. We stayed that way, her and I, for a long quiet. And then she took her hand away as she flopped over onto her side and rolled slowly back toward the pool and then over the edge. I didn't hear her land, and I didn't see her in the pool. I walked back to the truck. The music was gone. I would never hear it again.
That next morning, we pointed the truck at the dawn and started driving out into this country to find as much by distance as culture. That silence that had laid heavily over us for so long was still there. But it was different. Instead of a wall we had built between ourselves, it felt like a shared obstacle that together we could overcome. I looked at Alice, and she looked at me. We both smiled. I put my hand on her hand, and she put her other hand on mine. And we drove in silence, holding hands for a long time. We were different after the motel. I don't think the rest of this road trip would have happened as it did without those three nights. Check out aliceisntdead.com for more information on this show and our merch. You can wear Rob's stunning logo for this show on your body, either as a shirt or just now a beautiful enamel pin. Every time I see that logo, I am just blown away. Like to cosplay or are you actually a roaming highway monster? Get your own thistle hat. Full of anxiety and looking for your wife? Get a Bay and Creek shirt. All of that at aliceisntdead.com. This show would not be possible without our Patreon supporters, such as the elegant Yasek Burka, the magnificent James Hyde, the important Pamela Brizjar, the tender Quentin Carlson, and the gifted Ryan Brown. If you would like to join these folks in helping us make this show, please check out patreon.com slash aliceisntdead, where you can get rewards like director's commentary on every episode, behind-the-scenes updates, bonus episodes, and a chance to read the Alice Isn't Dead novel before anyone else. That's patreon.com slash aliceisntdead. Hey, Alice Heads, which is a name I just came up with for listeners of Alice Isn't Dead and that I don't think I'll ever use again. Anyway, I'm releasing two books this year, which is a weird thing to say, but I've been working on both of these for years and I'm so excited for you to read them. Okay, first on May 11th, 2021, the first 10 years, two sides of the same love story. So there is a love story that happened behind the scenes of Welcome to Night Vale between me, Joseph Fink, and Meg Bashmaner, voice of the Night Vale credits and MC and tour manager for the live Night Vale show. In this memoir, we recount the first 10 years of our relationship, year by year, without consulting each other beforehand. It's a funny and romantic story about how differently we experience and remember our lives. Then, on July 20th, The Halloween Moon, my first ever novel for ages 10 and up. Esther Gold loves Halloween, until the year that Halloween night just won't end. Even she doesn't want Halloween to last forever. No matter your age, if you're a fan of Alice Isn't Dead, I think you're going to love this book. Get these books wherever you get your books. Today's quote. Time, like money, is measured by our needs. From Middlemarch, by George Eliot. Thanks for listening. This has been a production of Night Vale Presents. Find out more about us and our shows at nightvalepresents.com.
Hello, iPod broadcast listeners. My name is Meg, and I am one of the esteemed tri-hosts of the beloved iBroad Good Morning Night Vale. I, along with my hilarious friends, fellow Night Vale actors, passionate eaters, and soft-hitting journalists, Symphony Sanders and Hal Lovelin, are now over 100 episodes into our deep dive recap show of Welcome to Night Vale. We've tackled topics like soft meat crown head cannons, Cecil's fashion, and whether Steve Scones were really all that terrible, plus behind-the-scenes stories from the Night Vale creative family. And we've heard from listeners like you about queer representation, Night Vale named pets, major theories, minor questions, and of course, best and worst practices for, um, alternative spa therapy services. If you know, you know. Check out Good Morning Night Vale every other Thursday, wherever you get your eye broads, eye casts, pod broads, and podcasts. I think I like pod broads the best. I'm a real pod broad myself.